0: Welcome to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. You can go ahead and find your seat. So grateful to be in the house with all of you up in the ballroom Come on, there's nothing like Ballroom Church. There's nothing like it. I'm loving it. If you're new today, we're just so glad you're here. It has blown my mind the last two weeks. We've had so many new faces. I keep looking out and saying, who are all of you that keep coming to church? But I'm so thankful you're here. I know it takes great courage to come into an environment like this and try out a new church, and we just welcome you, and we're saying we're just so grateful you're here. Usually, we don't meet in this room. Uh, We meet in that theater, but uh, you know, as Bobby was talking about, we've invested in this place for the next 10 years. We have a lease here at Centro Asturiano. And so part of that lease was we purchased um, chairs to go inside of that theater uh, because if any of you ever sat in those chairs, you know uh, you don't leave without a battle wound. You know what I'm saying? It's a battle wound kind of church. And so uh, anyways, we're just grateful uh, that you have made the decision to come, be a part of a crazy group of people up in a ballroom uh, on a Sunday morning. And if you are new, my name is Alex. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors here. And we would love to get to know you. She's right here. Do you want to wave really quick? Just say hi to everybody. Yes. Put your hand. Yep, that's Rihanna right there. I saw people trying to look. Um, But uh, yeah, if you are new, just want to say, you know, come get to know us. Come, you know, be a part of everything that's happening here. Uh, We're just a group of wild believers that just believe that God wants to do something crazy with us. God wants to, you know, empower us to go see the lost be found. And so we're not stopping until we die. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not giving up until our last breath. And so we're so expectant of what God's going to do. And we welcome you in the journey. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 4, 23. John 4, 23. And as I said, today, we're starting a brand new collection of talks titled The Heart of Worship. Every service when we gather, every time that we gather as a body of believers, we spend almost half of our time singing songs of worship, letting Bobby get crazy on the drums. You know what I'm saying? Like, thank God for that Just Symbols chorus. That was so good. But we spend... More than half of our time, really, singing songs and proclaiming the promises of God with one voice. And we want to explore the reason behind it. Why do we do this? What's the purpose of it? And we'll be diving into the who we worship, into the why we worship, into the where we worship, and to the when we worship. And these markers will enable us to carry the true heart of worship and to be worshipers in spirit and in truth. So let's read John 4 23 through 26. Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is the Spirit, and his worshipers must worship. Everybody say, must worship, must worship. in the Spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He's stating the fact that there's nothing else to come. This is it. This is the moment. You need to understand the power of what it looks like to be a true worshiper unto God. The title of my message is really simple today. Who we worship who we worship. Let's pray one more time over the preaching of God's word. Lord, Lord, I pray today to enable us to discover more about your character, more about your heart. Help us to have open hearts, soft hearts. Anybody in the room that's come in with a hard hard heart, I pray it would be softened in this moment that they receive your word and be changed from the inside out. Enable us to be people that have a heart of worship. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Amen. Meeting new people is really a part of my job as a pastor. Like unofficially when I signed the job description to be a pastor, I really stepped into this idea that my job is all about loving on people, getting to know people. And this is kind of what I signed up for. And I love it. And so over, you know, all of the years of ministry, I've really had to engage in getting to know people, understanding what it looks like to to learn people's names, whether I'm, you know, at the church, whether I'm in restaurants, whether I'm at a coffee shop, even social media now or emails. Constantly, almost every single day, I meet new people. Like, really think about this. The majority of the people in this room I did not even know two and a half years ago. The majority of the people in our church, I didn't even know, and I've had to meet you over the last two and a half years, just a handful of people that came with us from Washington. Other than that, I had to get to know every single one of you. And, you know, meeting with people all the time, you really have to come with the right approach and understand what it looks like to get to know someone. So I always love to do the trick, you say someone's name three times. You're like, okay, what was it? Okay, and this was your name? Okay, great. You know, you're saying their name three times. Anybody else do the three-time rule? Yeah, thank you, Naomi. We got one up here. I love, I love figuring out ways to remember people. So I'm going to ask them questions. What do you do for work? Because I want to figure out something that I can remember about them. I'm going to ask, where do they live? Like kind of getting in relation to those things. And when I meet people, I'm often trying to remember them in special ways. So in my phone, when I put someone into my contacts, a lot of times I'll go like, you know, this person and a description of maybe what they were wearing or what they looked like. Like, for instance, our kids pastor in my phone is Sarah Britt's Blonde Girl Tampa, right? The first You know, meeting that we had, the first interest meeting, Sarah Britz come up to me and she goes, hey, I'm really interested in helping with kids. I'm like, cool. Sarah Britz, blonde girl, Tampa. Even Bobby Minnellis is in my phone. It's Bobby Minnellis, GCT calls, right? Because when I was first making calls to all the people who filled out the interest form, Bobby was just one of those random names on my call list. And I wanted to make sure that I remembered if he called what it was. And I still have actually never taken that off of their names because I want to remember every time I talk to our leaders and the people in our church, how much effort and what kind of grind it takes to plant this church and I never want to lose that kind of tenacity and so it's a great reminder every time Sarah calls to have a meeting with me I'm going oh yeah I got to remember like I got to keep driving I got to keep working yeah because there's more maybe Sarah Britt's blonde girl Tampa you know what I'm saying (laughs) but somewhere that I don't necessarily categorize as a great place to meet people would be my kitchen Like generally, if you come into my house, I know you or I know of you. Like I kind of know you to the point where it's like, cool, you're in my house. We're cool. I know you enough or I know your name. So like it's good that you're in my house with my family, my kids. It was about a year ago, um, we needed to do a Kingdom Builders dinner and we had nowhere to do it. I remember approaching Brianna and saying, Brianna, I think we should do the Kingdom Builders dinner in our backyard. And it was a closed group of people. They had to RSVP. They had to sign up to be Kingdom Builders before they could come to this dinner. And so Brianna had asked, like, how are we going to make sure that strangers don't show up to our house? And I said... Don't worry about it. It's RSVP. They literally have to be kingdom builders to come to this dinner. And so I was, I was chilling about it. It was going to be great. People come into our house. And so we got all the food ready. And as we were leading up to the, the dinner, I remember checking the RSVPs, making sure daily. I know everybody was coming. Cool. I told Brianna, I know everybody's coming. It's going to be great. And so I went out and bought all the food, cooked up all the food. We had like a prime ribeye steak with compound butter on it. You know what I'm saying? We had all the sides and like we're... You you know, I'm sitting there when people are walking in. I'm greeting them and I'm slicing the steaks. You know what I'm saying? Like against the grain. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? You got to do it right. Like don't mess up those nice of steaks. Cutting against the grain, it's gonna be tender and your mouth fall apart. And so I'm cutting these up and putting them on people's plates. Everybody's going outside getting ready, and all of a sudden I hear a voice I had never heard before. Someone goes, "Hello." And I like look up and a stranger is standing in my house. To my horror. And I'm sitting there going, um, hi, what's your name? And like all of my training as a pastor went out, the, went out the window in this moment. I didn't know how to act. I didn't know how to ask his name again. I didn't know what to do. I'm in my kitchen, this safe place. And the only thing I could think about is how I promised Brianna time and time again, there will be no strangers in our house. And all of a sudden, this stranger who could have very well been a psychopath was standing in my house, eating the steak in front of him. You know what I'm saying? And maybe he had a little bit of those tendencies. We went through the night, and this stranger butted into almost every conversation, awkwardly, interrupting every moment. We're in deep moments of talking about the vision. You know, I'm telling the kingdom builders, like, this next year we're going to buy a sound system that will rip your face off. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I'm, ex- I'm getting everybody excited about the vision. And he would interrupt every single thing that I brought in every moment and talk super loud. And even in one moment, we got inside this circle, a group of guys And he begins to gossip about some other churches in the Tampa area. And I stopped him and I go, hey man, just so you know, Grace City, Tampa is a gossip-free church. We don't enable people to gossip, especially when it comes to the body of Christ. We're going to talk positive about that, right? So I stopped him that moment. He just kind of stopped. That was the first time that he actually, you know, shut his mouth for the whole time at my house. And he went from there and basically left. And then he hasn't been back. Hasn't come back to church. It was such an interesting moment. I didn't know how to navigate what that moment would look like. And I felt so awkward with this random person in my house because I didn't know him and he didn't know me. So there was a tension with it the whole time. You're trying to get to know somebody, yet you're welcoming him into your space. And I wonder how many of us see the invitation, walk into the house, partake in the experience, build community, yet don't even know the owner of the house. Don't even know why we're doing what we're doing here. And when it comes time to worship, we think of it more like an experience than a moment of reverence and expression of adoration about our God. We don't even know the owner of the house and we come in going, okay, I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing. I'm just going to sit here and, you know, try to adapt to what it looks like. But I tell you what, everything that we do in this house is about the who we worship, yes. is about the who we're glorifying. Every drum that is hit, every guitar that is strung, every note that's played, every vocal that's singing and every knob that's turned in the back, all of it comes back to the who we Worship And hear me today. Your expression and experience of worship changes when you truly know the owner of the house. You're not going to be someone who spectates in that moment. You're going to be someone who's involved in it when you know the owner of the house. And let me say it like this. You truly worship God. To truly worship God, you have to truly seek knowing God. To truly worship God, you have to truly seek knowing him. I love what Jordan Peterson says. He says, the continual search for knowledge is the highest form of wisdom. The continual search of knowledge is the highest form of wisdom. Right? If we want to be wise in our lives, we have to continually search for the knowledge of who God is, unwrap the mysteries, unwrap the glory, read these Psalms 20 times over and allow them to saturate our lives, to change our perspectives on the world, to change our perspectives on the trials, to change our perspective on the successes in life. It happens when we truly worship God and know Him. See, our pursuit of God will shape the way in which we sing songs. The pursuit of knowing him will truly shape the way in which we sing songs. Maybe you grew up in church and you sang a song like, I could sing of your love forever. It's this powerful, beautiful song to sing, great melody. But until you know the love that has been shown, the kind of love that loved you first before you were loving him, Until you know the sacrifice of his love, you wouldn't even know how to get started singing I can sing of your love forever. Like that's a big statement to say forever. I'll keep singing this. But if you don't know the true love, if you don't know the person who gave that love, you can't sing that forever. Maybe you come into church and you sing a song like, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. But if you don't know the God of the impossible, the miracle working God of the word, the God who can actually move mountains, the God who said, faith the size of a mustard seed, you can save from this mountain, you can move from here to there, then you can't sing that from a place of conviction. You can't sing that from a place where you actually know it. We can even come into this place and sing a song like, all hail King Jesus. All hail the Lord of heaven and earth. All hail King Jesus. But until you allow the God of heaven and earth to rule and reign on your life, you're singing this song more like a nursery rhyme that just makes you happy instead of allowing him to rule on the throne of your heart. And until we know who and why we worship, we will only ever critique the experience instead of putting God on the throne of our hearts. Until you know who you worship, you'll only ever critique this experience. Oh, I didn't like how they did that. Oh, I didn't like that song that they did at number three. Like, I didn't like that moment. Or, oh, I don't like how the, the preacher preaches that way. And I don't, like, I don't like the experience in those things. We critique the experience because we have a lack of knowledge of who we're doing it for. Like, what an honor we even get to speak to this creator. Like, what an honor we even get to raise our hands, right, as an act of surrender to go, God, I surrender everything. Let this be a sign of my life. What an honor that he loves us that much. What an honor. Come on, we have to know who we worship. Every time we worship, we scratch the surface of knowing God more. We sing anthems of praise. We sing declarations of his promises. We apply scriptures to our journeys, and we have intimacy with the Father. And we also attempt to unveil the infinite mysteries of God. Why? Because he's worthy of it, he deserves it, and he has earned it. So why would we not want to reveal him in a different way? Why would we not want to take words like holy and put it with a new melody so it can refresh our memory of the fact that he is holy? We sing the same words over and over again, praise, honor, glory to God. And yet every time we pray it, we pray that we would widen our perspective of how worthy he really is of that praise. Amen. I believe worship is one of the most powerful experiences. Worship in the context of a gathering of believers, worship in the context of you singing songs to God, is one of the most powerful experiences that we as human beings can partake in. Why? Because worship in the context of singing songs is a mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional experience. Not a lot of things in our life can hold all of those things. But worship is one of those things because we mentally engage with declaring words, declaring promises, having good theology, having good doctrine in our songs. Are you with me? So we mentally engage our minds. We physically engage through singing, through clapping, through lifting our hands, kneeling, through even dancing. So we're physically engaging with this moment. We spiritually engage as we draw near to God and he draws near to us we experience the Greek word enopion, which is the tangible presence of God. Not a lot of places you can experience that all at once in the same moment where you're experiencing this mental, physical, spiritual. And the last one is emotional. We engage as the melodies of music and the environments, the sound, the lighting, all equate to an emotional feeling of joy, gladness, excitement, or expectation. I want you to hear me today this isn't emotional manipulation why because god created our emotions he put emotions in the heart of every believer because he wanted you to feel he wanted you to experience why do you think nehemiah could tell the people as they're building the wall and armies are coming all around him listen guys the joy of the lord will be your strength an emotion of god will be your strength how Why? Because this emotion that God created is such a powerful part of our humanity. We can't miss this. This is such a beautiful part. And you're not really going to experience all four of these in every environment of your life. Oftentimes when I'm praying, it's more of a mental, maybe physical, and spiritual environment. Oftentimes when I'm praying... I'm not waking up in the morning going, man, I'm hyped to pray right now. Man, I'm feeling really good. Like, I want to cry in this moment. It's like, no, I'm going to make a choice every day to pray to God, right? I'm going to make a choice over my feelings of I would rather be watching Seinfeld to pray to God. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? So not in every environment do we get this special thing. Even when you go to a concert. I remember my first Coldplay concert. I tell you what, I know this is an interesting thing to say. It was the closest thing to a worship experience I've ever had in the world. You know, that probably shocks everybody. Why? Because it was a mental experience, it was a physical experience, and it was an emotional experience. It was powerful. I see people all around raising their hands, and I'm like, "What, what, what are you guys doing? Like, these songs are like, you know, like heartbreak songs. Like, what are you doing raising your hands? Like, what is this moment? But it's so powerful what music can do. It's so powerful when humanity comes together and sings with one voice. And the thing that we're missing at the Coldplay concert was the spiritual aspect. They had all these different ingredients mixing together and they're missing the meaning of it all, the spirit residing within us. So Jesus says in John 4:23, "Yet a time is coming and has now come," everyone say now come. now come. When the true worshipers true worshipers, this isn't fake worship, this isn't false this isn't ah, uh, just because we're doing it. Ah, uh, my friend's doing it. Ah, uh, this is what you do in church. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship. Everybody say, must worship, must worship. in the spirit and in the truth. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who has true worship. I want to be someone who presents true worship unto God. Let's talk about this. When Jesus is saying worship in spirit, he's referring to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the heart of every believer. That worship is engaging with the spirit that is within us. A deep, intimate connection. And enables our hearts, minds, souls, and spirit to truly surrender in adoration to God. It's also key to recognize here that Jesus in every way was stressing the fact that a temple is no longer a building, but is the heart and the body of every single believer. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So this idea of worshiping in the Spirit... Is not this idea of maybe, you know, like baptism in the Holy Spirit moment, but more of engaging with the person of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who resides within us. When you gave your life to Jesus, if you did, or maybe today is your first time, when you welcome the Lord into your heart, the Holy Spirit comes within you. And worship is this engaging with the spiritual self, the real person, the person who will last in eternity. Come on, these bodies will die away. The spirit that's within us, the soul that God has given us, will live forever and eternity with God. We have to engage in the spirit. So we wor- true worshipers worship in spirit, and true worshipers worship in truth. Jesus is saying, worship in truth, which is referring to the revelation Of the Holy Scriptures. The pursuit of who God is. And what he's done for us. Seeking an authentic relationship based on faith and obedience. Reading this Bible and going, I'm going to have faith to believe what it says. And I'm going to be obedient to do what it says. Faith and obedience. We're faithful to the truth of what this believes. I got faith to believe that what this says is true. And now I'm going to be obedient to it with my actions. This is what it looks like to worship in truth. See, worshiping in truth is so crucial because we're not just searching for an emotional moment. No, we're worshiping to declare and celebrate who God is. Amen? You know what happens when you have true worship? You know what happens when you worship in truth and in spirit? John 4, 23 says this, For they are the kind of worshipers, that the Father seeks. They are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. I don't know about you, but for me, I wanna be the kind of worshiper that the Father seeks. I don't want to do it according to my context. I don't want to do it according to my opinions. I don't want to do it according to what feels good to me. I want to be the kind of worshiper that the Father seeks. Come on, James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. Come on, it's this pursuit. It's this desire for a relationship. Can I tell you that if that guy would have come when he came to our house, if he would have come back to church that Sunday, I would have ran to him with open arms. I didn't even know the guy's number. I I honestly didn't even really know his name. And he never came back to church. I didn't have the opportunity to pursue a relationship with him outside of the context of that first interaction. Come on, it takes the desire of every believer to first seek after God, to worship him in spirit and in truth. And you know what happens? The father seeks after you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to God you. We are spiritual beings. Worship is just our natural response. Worship is just our natural response. I posted this this week and I want to share it today as well. Worshiping God is what we were created for. So it's a part of our human nature. The most natural state of being for every human should be worship. The most natural state of being for every single one of us should be worship. Why? Isaiah 43:20. The people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. The people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. The reason you were created, the reason God formed you was for himself and for his praise. The most natural state of humanity that we should all be in is worship. I'm going to invite Wayne to come back up and play the keys. My youngest daughter is a ball of sunshine in every single room that she goes into. Her name is Cecilia Meadow. And uh, she's three years old. She's bright, fun, happy, laughs all the time, has deep emotions. So it's a, it's a special season for us two girls in the house. It's just, you know, special. Um, but she loves music any moment she gets, she tells me, Dad, turn on music in the house. Turn on music in the house. She wants to dance. And I love it. Anytime we get in the car and we turn on music, she's sitting there with her shoulders doing this. You know what I'm saying? She's like boogieing back in the back and she's got this little shake. You'll see her around and she'll just be dancing to the music and loving it. Any chance we get, we went and saw the new Ariel movie, the new, you know, little mermaid movie in theaters. And so now every single day she runs to me, Dad, can you play Ariel? Dad, play Ariel. And so constantly in our house, like a whole new world, you know, it's going through we're just playing it in our house. Anytime we watch a movie, anytime we watch a movie, we have to play all the way to the end of the credits because of the music in the credits. So she wants to be there dancing to the music at the end of the credits, you know what I'm saying? Every single time. One of my favorite things about Cecilia is every time that Cecilia comes into church and do a service with us, she comes in and sees me and reaches for me. And I grab her in my arms and I hold her. And then she'll see me raising my hand in worship. And all of a sudden she just raises this little tiny hand, just looks at me doing it. She sits over there attempting to sing songs. Some of you might've seen this before. I know I get about five pictures every time it happens. Don't stop sending pictures though, I love it. She's got this beautiful innocence to her. And I'll ask her in her ear, I'll say like, do you love Jesus? And she'll nod her little head. She doesn't know. She's in the age of innocence. She doesn't have a clue what's really happening in this world. All she knows is she loves Ariel, you know what I'm saying? But there's this beautiful innocence inside of her being at three years old where she wants to move to the music, wants to sing to the music, wants to express herself, wants to raise her hand and worship because she sees her dad doing it. And it's so beautiful. I can see the reflection of Isaiah 43 inside of my daughter. It's why God created us, that we might praise his name. And her innocence is beautiful. But there will be a day in her life when she moves from an age of innocence and has to choose to offer up a sacrifice of praise. That won't happen because of human nature or because everyone else is doing it. It will happen because she knows God and desires to worship Him for who He is. That innate desire to worship God has to be cultivated by understanding who God is. Amen? Something so powerful to see in the Word is a man named King David, he was the frontmost worshiper in the Bible. This man wasn't just an incredible king who accomplished so much in his life. He went on to write 73, if not more, of the Psalms that we read in the Bible. Even his son Solomon went on to write 18 of the Psalms. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. That's someone I want to learn from. That's someone I want to mimic. That's someone I want to be like. And David sought in all of his songs to reveal the mysteries of God to widen perspectives of him, to tell of his wondrous acts. And he did all of this through writing songs, through singing songs, not writing books, not convincing stories, not movies or a Broadway production. No, he wrote songs. This mental, physical, spiritual, emotional means to expressing worship. And if the man after God's own heart chose to worship God through a song, I think he's given us a pretty great roadmap to one of the most powerful ways we can engage in true worship unto God. Amen. And something so powerful to see is that David primarily focuses on who God is rather than where David currently is. Hear this. True worship isn't about making your problems big. It's about making your God big. True worship isn't about making your problems big. It's about making your God big. And we should be really careful to sing songs that are about us, about making our problems big, when in reality, come on, we should be celebrating, honoring, glorifying. The one who can fix the problems. The one who can change the world. The one who can mend any heart. The one who can break addictions. The one who can break chains. The one who can free you from the furnace. The one who can meet you in the lion's den. The one who can send an army of angels to surround you. We should be worshiping the God of all creation. The one who knew you before you were born. The one who knows the number of hairs on your head and can count the sand on the seashore. That's the one I'm worshiping, not my problem. I'm not focusing on my problem. I'm focusing on who God is. I'm focusing on who we worship. Come on, our job as believers is to know God and reveal God. Know God and reveal God. We want to see the lost found. We got to know God we got to reveal God. In a worship setting like this, it's not just about an emotional response. No, we want to know him, and we want to reveal him more. Why do we write new songs? We want to know God. We want to reveal him more. Why does our team release almost a new song every weekend? Because we want to know God, and we want to reveal him more. This is the cry of the heart of this church. we got to know God. we got to reveal God. Know God and reveal God. One of the greatest examples of what true worship should look like is Psalms 145, where David obviously knows God and he reveals God. The spirit and truth kind of worship. And I want to take a second to break this down with all of you today. I read it at the beginning of my message, but it says this, it says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. Think about this, the king is writing, I will exalt you, my God, my king. He's not talking about that he's the king, he's putting the focus and attention on the king. He says, I'll praise your name forever and ever. Every day I'll praise your name and extol your name forever and ever. He says, great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Come on, that word great means above the normal average. So God is so far above, right? We can't even measure the greatness of our God, the power of our God. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Verse five, they speak of the glorious splendor. Your majesty, that word majesty means your glory, your splendor, your beauty. He says, I will meditate on your wonderful works, and they will tell of your power and your awesome works, your awe-worthy works, your power that is unparalleled. And I will proclaim your great deeds. Come on, he's singing of the great deeds. He's proclaiming to everyone around him. What does it look like? Come on, it's not just worship in spirit. It's worship in truth. I'm going to proclaim the great deeds of my God. And they celebrate your abundant goodness. Come on, when we declare the great deeds of God, when we declare who God is, it celebrates his abundant goodness. Because everything you read in here, you're gonna know that God is good. So good. It continues to go on and say, and we joyfully sing of your righteousness. Come on, he's a righteous God, and there's no one more righteous than him. It says, the Lord is compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. I'm grateful that he's that God. The Lord is good. If we jump down to verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, meaning, come on, it doesn't ever end. He will reign forever and ever. King David's writing this from the perspective that someday he will die and have to pass off the fact that he is the king, yet he's standing on this and saying, your kingdom will never, ever end. Your dominion endures through every generation. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises, faithful in all he does. Come on, he can see it in the past, he can see it in the present, and he knows in the future, because of his track record, that God's faithfulness will follow him all the days of his life, and every generation will experience the faithfulness of it. It says, the Lord upholds those who fall and he lifts all who are bowed down. Come on, God will meet you right where you're at. He's not looking for you to to try to get it all together. He's going to come right to where you are if you just call out to Him. Come on, it says you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Come on, how many of us are guilty of trying to find satisfaction in this life? Trying to find satisfaction in Netflix? Trying to find satisfaction in the things of the world and relationships when in reality David's saying God is the only one that truly satisfies. Verse 18 I love this. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him, what? In truth. In truth. When we call on him in truth, it says that he is near to us. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. hears their cry and he saves them. So when you call on him, you call to his name, he will save you. Verse 20, the Lord watches over all. Aren't you grateful that God is ever watchful Aren't you grateful that God is omnipresent? He is the only being that is omnipresent at all places, at all times. So many people think that the devil is omnipresent. They're like, oh, I got the devil speaking to my shoulder. He's not omnipresent. He can't be in all places at all times. Only God can be. So I would encourage you to know you got to have perspective in the midst of your trials. It's probably not the devil. It's probably just the hardship of the world and the desires of the flesh that are tempting you. Know this, you have a God who watches over you at all times. He is an omnipresent God. He is with you in everything. Come on, we got to know God. we got to reveal God. I'm invite the team up. Church, I hope that you see the power of worship today, that you see the power of a song. This is a magnification of God and a minimizing of self. It's a magnification of God and a minimizing of self. There was a song that was written years and years ago when I was a young kid. There was this church that would come into a Sunday service and check the box of worship. Stand there, not engage in the moments of worship, not sing, not declare the praises, but just listen to the band. Maybe be critical. And the worship pastor came to the senior pastor and he said, we gotta stop doing worship for a season. And so they stopped for months. They didn't sing Worship in church. Imagine you coming into this ballroom. We pray to start, do some highlights, do a little giving message. I get up and preach, you leave. There's no worship, there's no moment. So they cut worship for all these months and they taught and trained on what it looks like to be true worshipers of God, not attached to environments, not attached to like when you feel like it, not attached to like if everybody else is doing it, but to be a true worshiper of God. And when he felt time, he felt it was time to bring back worship, this worship pastor wrote this song. And I believe it's one of the most powerful songs that I've heard in my life and still to this day, I hold it so dear for what it means even to me as a young kid and what it meant to sing this song. But it was the first song that they sang after months of no music in church. The worship pastor gets up with his acoustic guitar and sings this song. And I think it's only appropriate that we, at the start of this series, take a moment to sing this song together and declare the praises of God with the right heart of worship. So would you stand to your feet? When you walked in, someone would have given you some communion. I just encourage you during this song while it's playing, if you wanna partake in communion as a moment of remembrance of what God has done for you, I just encourage you to take it whenever you want. Some a moment to remember the body that was broken, the blood that was shed. Come on, could we be people that worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, that know God and reveal God in this moment? So right now, would you just raise your hands all across this room? God, I pray we'd be people that have a heart of worship. Not just checking the box, but we would be people that truly worship in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth. And I do pray, God, that you would draw near to us as you promised you would do. Give us a heart of worship in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this together. Thank you for listening to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.